<laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of uh, Jackson Talks Everybody. Um, with me, your host, Jackson Stone. Uh, yes, my pretend name. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, just go with it, right? Thank just you for go. Clarifying. What? Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, just go with it. It's cool. It'll be fine. Um, Do we get aliases too? Yeah, we can come up with pretend names for you guys by the end of the episode. Um, but uh, today's episode is pretty cool, actually. Um, I have a couple real life people who are licensed therapists. Do you not usually have real life No, I usually have real life people, <laughs> but not real life therapists who do like real cool work. You thought this was going to be about mental health. It's really just going to be a roast. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I saw, I don't know what I signed up for. We don't usually have real life people. Yeah, that's true. Anywho. <laughs> We're not good to have together. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm with uh, Brooke and Alyssa. And uh, how are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So you guys, this is your apartment. Mm-hmm. You live together. We do. Yeah. And you just moved here. I did. Okay. Where'd you move from? I moved from Mississippi. Hmm. I don't like to talk too much about it. <laughs> it was a low point in my life. <laughs> uh, well, we're happy to have you in Dallas. I'm glad there. to be here. You like it so far? I like it more than Mississippi. I mean, that's, it is an upgrade, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. I've There's, been campaigning for this for at least six years. At least six years? Yeah. So you guys have known each other for at least six years? We've yeah, known each other for eight. It's eight, right? 2012? No, no. Uh, okay. Yeah, 2012. Okay. <laughs> What's the, how'd you guys meet? What's the backstory? Um, I think Brooke put, we were freshmen in college at Auburn to go to a phone party. I think. Yeah, Brooke posted on our freshman Facebook group page that mm-hmm. she was going to a phone party, and I I said yes, let's go. Yeah. We were uh, we were in the same sorority, which I don't think most people usually look at us and think sorority. No. Um. So yeah, we were in the same sorority, and. I was, it was in Alabama and I'm from Alabama, but Mm -hmm. I was trying to branch out and not just have friends from my high school in Alabama Mm -hmm. who went to the same college. And I had no friends. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, I know about this. I want to go. I was like, I'll post it on there. And like literally no one had responded until her. And she's like, I'll go. And it kind of just spiraled from there. And so you guys went to this phone party? Yes. And it was uh, the best experience? No. It was a terrible party, but you guys got along. I I think we lasted maybe like 10 minutes at the party. Yeah. No, it was not great. And then I think we went to Sonic. Probably. Sonic's so good. Sonic's so good. Sonic's so... What kind of drink do you get at Sonic? Oh, well, it's just evolved recently. I just introduced Brooke um, like two weeks... Well, when she's... How long do we live here? Three weeks tomorrow? Maybe, yeah. Um... To the Sprite with uh, with diced up strawberries in it. Excellent. 10 out of 10. Ooh, that sounds good. It's pretty good. I usually get a cherry watermelon slush. Oh, that sounds good too. And uh, it really uh, really makes my day every time I get it. Alright, just the little things in life. Yeah, it is. So you guys went to Auburn. That's cool. People think that's cool. Sports, some sports fans listen to this podcast, so they'll be like, oh, Auburn football, that's so cool. Or they'll just feel like they're not great this year. <laughs> or they'll be like, yeah, or they'll be like that. So mm-hmm. give us a little nugget of some Auburn football. One time, so we met freshman year and then we lived together for the three years after mm-hmm. that. Um, and one time we were tailgating and we just got really tired, so we went back and we were <laughs> like, we'll take a nap before we go to the game. Mm-hmm. And... It was an evening game, so I think it we was, were out yeah. tailgating all day, and we're, our 
we lived in the sorority dorm hall at that time. Um, this was sophomore year, I guess, then. And it was right next to the arena, which was right next to the stadium. And I woke up and heard this really loud noise and was really confused. It turns out it was like the third quarter. We yeah. slept through the entire game. Oh, that man. That is not the first time that happened. But we, last. we did storm the field after the kick yeah. six. And I have that a picture of us. Uh, we also field. lasted there for a couple of minutes. When was the kick six? I don't really know much about. Um, you know when Alabama... Did you say when or what? When? When? Was it our junior year? No, I think it was our sophomore year. You're right. Yeah. Is that one? Is that a national championship that they won? Uh, the Iron Bowl, where which the, is um, like the national Alabama, championship front. Yeah, that's probably more important. Did they yeah. ever win a national championship while you were there? No, no but they, they went. The 2013. Year, they went and they won. I think in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then they went in 2013. Mm-hmm. They went again. Did they go again our senior year, or was that the year after we graduated? It might have been after. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know years. Like my brother knows years and people and all this. I I hardly keep track of it. Mm. That's cool though. Sports person. My college football team wasn't very good. But your baseball college baseball team. We were we were adequate some years. (laughs) Adequate. We were adequate some years, but I didn't go to a big Division one school. Like you know, you guys went to a pretty sweet school. For the sports. For the sports. Yeah. Not the academics. I mean, better academics than the other school there. What's the other school there? Alabama. Oh, right, right, sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Some shade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, subtle shade. Mm-hmm. It wasn't subtle. Yeah, it wasn't at all. I don't... <laughs> Anyways, okay, we'll get into some, uh, yeah, well, we'll talk about more about your college career probably, uh, like what you studied and stuff and what you do now. Um, but usually, generally on this podcast, we, I start, we, like there's more than one person doing this, but me, we, the people, all of us, anyways, start this podcast in a... Uh, uh, in a certain way, uh, I try to like uh, ask the question. I, I sort of asked it earlier, but that's the problem. People ask it kind of in passing and don't really mean it when they ask it. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially since you guys are in a field where you're like hearing a lot of people's trauma and you're absorbing a lot of people's emotions and pain, then no one really asks you how you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, how are you guys doing for real? For real? On, on real? Oh, we got dogs here also. A couple yeah. dogs. Hopefully, you see them on camera because they're very, very cute and nice. And barking. Lennon. Protect the house. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's a man of the house. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, Brady, come here. All right. You can answer. Um, I'm doing okay. Um, work is a little nuts, but I submitted my paperwork and all of my and finished all my hours today for my full licensure amazing congratulations so hopefully in the next two weeks i'll be getting a sick raise and be able to do whatever i want with my license basically exactly and what exactly do you want to do with your license um well i currently work um in an inpatient adult psych hospital come on man that's my dog she gets really oh, 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 oh. Oh. Great job, athletic. Saved it. Um, nice, nice birdie. So I work at an inpatient psych hospital yeah. um, for adults. And I guess what my end goal would be, or my next step, um, I think would be to work with teenagers and adolescents wow. in the same setting. That is enough. So yeah, that so that's would cool. be mine. Okay, what about you, Brooke? 
Well, How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing better. Again, like I said, since I've moved from Mississippi, and Mississippi was not great for me. Yeah. Um, basically, just like taking it back four years, or I guess two. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, never intended to stay in Mississippi. After I graduated from grad school, um, I actually had other plans to go other places, but I had a job offer that was something I would not have been able to get outside of school anywhere else. So I kind of made the decision to go further in my professional life than my personal life. Mm -hmm. And that's a bad decision to make sometimes. (laughs) It was really good professionally because it got me here, but personally, like it was really like lonely and there wasn't a lot to do there. I had like one or two friends because it's hard to branch out and it was such a small community. So you'd run into people you worked with a lot, which was not fun. Um, so moving here and still like, I know her and like a couple other people, but it's still better. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can move forward more with my personal life, which is nice. So better, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Yeah, it's, I think it's really hard to find a balance between your professional and your personal life. Mm-hmm. Especially in like a field that you guys are in, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's hard because, and I don't know how much to like expand, but I feel like the generation before us really like railed in like work mm-hmm. and like work, work, work. For sure. And then we're in like that weird generation where it's like, well, maybe I don't have to work like that, but I still feel like I have that idea of like, I have to have that job and like what is success and working. And then it's like, well, I also need to have a personal life. You have to have a personal life. It's so important. Yeah. yeah. Where exactly do you work, though? Where? Yeah. Um, I work, I don't really know what to technically call it. It's a counseling center, mm-hmm. and it has um, an IOP and PHP, so that's more geared towards addiction. You're going to have to say what those acronyms mean. Um, IOP is intensive outpatient, and PHP is what partial hospitalization program. Mm-hmm. And so that's more geared towards addiction. It's stepped down from inpatient, which is what I did in Mississippi. Um, and so I am going to be putting together a family program for them. And so that's working with the families of people who are suffering with addiction, whether they're getting help or not. Um, but they also see people just like for individual sessions. So it's also kind of like private practice. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's like a bunch of little things. Sure. Is that what you wanted when you moved here? That was your goal, what you wanted to do? I guess. Yeah. I, I kind of fell into what I do by accident. Partially because I just followed Alyssa after six years. Um, so, like, I didn't go to college, like, starting off thinking, okay, I'm going to be a therapist. Mm. And then I didn't go to grad school for therapy to work in addiction. But I've really enjoyed it. And I never expected to be here. And here I am. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to ask you kind of about, about your path towards being what you, with doing what you're doing. Because, like, a lot of people know why I do this kind of work and have these conversations. It's extremely personal, right? I don't know if you guys have the same kind of personal relationship with what you deal with or it's just something that you kind of fell into, like you said, or something that you enjoy or something that you, I don't know, have like a deep sense of like, I don't know, uh, like responsibility to do or, or what the case may be. But um, I started off in physical therapy, mm. I think with the idea I knew I wanted to help people. I just didn't know how. And quickly, like, I just decided that's not really for me and I don't really know what I want to do and Alyssa was actually taking classes for it was like human development and family studies and I don't remember what the first class was it was it wasn't like marriage and family but it was something like family dynamics 
Um, and so I took that and it actually made a lot of stuff in my family make sense. And so I was like, okay, well maybe this is something that I can do. And just through like interning, I kind of fell into marriage and family therapy. Um, so I, I knew doing something with people is something that I wanted. And I, I don't, I can't speak for you, but I think a lot of therapists like kind of have the idea of I want to give people something maybe I didn't get. And so I think that's where it came in it for me. like wanting to give people the help that maybe I didn't get as much growing up that probably could have used, but here I am. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely a level of codependency yeah. to it. Yeah. Can you can you speak on what that means? So codependency is like putting other people's needs above yours, um, and sometimes even finding your own identity through helping others and needing others. And I think as therapists in particular, I can speak for my job and I know that I'm doing a good job based off of my patient's progress mm -hmm. and that is literally breeding me to be codependent if yeah. that makes sense I get so it. my day when I leave work whether I had a good day or a bad day is 100% determined on whether my patients had a good day or a bad day yeah and that's in a way kind of screwed up my own roller coaster is for sure especially uh in an inpatient setting where most people are very uh it's crisis center basically yeah that's the best way to put it so then <clears throat> how do you separate that when you come home it takes a lot of work dogs dogs yeah, dogs helped i got i got my dog lennon you might be able to hear him drinking i got him about a year ago and he made it a lot easier because he was the responsibility that, okay, during lunch, I have to come home and I have to let him out. And when I'm home with him, I'm not worrying about what they're doing or what they're not doing because I have a puppy that takes up all of my time and he still takes up all of my time. So dogs help. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes dogs don't help. Yeah, sometimes they're When you've they're got a rough. cute little... <laughs> old birdie. Five-month-old pup who um, also has no boundaries. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something you really have to work on. I think I worked a lot on being able to come home and not bring home the patients or the clients that I'm working with. Because mm -hmm. I found pretty early on my anxiety comes out very physically. I think it was my second year of grad school. I, um, it was maybe like the second semester where I was working in my internship um, with people struggling with addiction and seeing clients and I got shingles. I'm like the only like 22 or 23 year old that can say they had shingles in their early 20s. So my anxiety comes out physically. And so I and that was based on anxiety. Yeah, it comes out with with stress. Apparently, I don't mm. know. I didn't know I could get it in my early 20s. So I kind of figured out, okay, you have to take care of this because if you don't, it's just going to keep like happening. You're going to keep like not being happy or suffering when you're not even at work. Yeah. So it's like you have to leave that stuff at work when you're not there otherwise you're just going to be miserable all the time right and i found through my experience when i worked in private practice when i first got out of grad school and now my experience at inpatient level um it's a lot easier to leave work at work at an inpatient level because yeah. so like currently right now my patients have nurses with them they've got um text health and mental health text with them doctors on call I'm not on call so there's not as much pressure as with in with private practice they're a lot more stable 
but it still kind of rides all on you. Um, and I struggled with that. If there's a bone on the ground, will you give it to him? Yeah. That's what he wants. There you go. Thank you. There you go, Sorry, bud. I you off. That's that. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> That's how Lennon gets attention. <clears throat> yeah, it is a lot. I don't know, I think it's just different in inpatient versus outpatient, because you're right, like there are other people there who can work with them when you're not. I like that team mentality. Birdie, Birdie not no. your food. Birdie, come here. Old Birdie. She goes by chicken now. Chicken? Mm hmm Oh, we changed change her name right now? Yeah. Mm. No, I've been calling her chicken. Um, okay, yeah, I mean, that's obviously, yeah, interesting. So then, like, people talk about, like, having, like, compassion fatigue all the time. Like, is that obviously something that you guys deal with? Yeah, I've felt that. For sure. Like, like it, you have patients that are easier to work with than others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't just say, okay, well, they're difficult. I'm not going to give them the same treatment I'd give anyone else. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just so hard when you put, I think, a lot of your effort into something or someone. And they just don't want it as much as you want it for them which goes back into that codependency piece yeah. and being able I, I think for me I appreciate working in addiction so early into my career because I think it gives you a really good lesson on meeting people where they are right which I think a lot of therapists need to learn early on because you could want something for someone so badly but if they don't want it like it just is what it is you can't will it for them right you can't love somebody healthy, but you can love them to death. Mm. I think there's an element of that where like, I experienced my first round of burnout. Um, towards like maybe April, May, when we were in like full swing COVID. So usually in life, you can, I leave anxiety and depression, well, other people's anxiety and depression at home or at work. Um, so I had everyone else's, you can't escape it at that point. Like it was mm -hmm. on social media, talking to friends, talking to parents. It's all this anxiety, depression that comes with the pandemic plus work. Plus I was doing deep therapy. I was doing personal deep therapy. Um, and I felt like I was kind of drowning in mental health a little bit. Um, True, I feel that and became very apathetic, I guess would be the right way to put it. Um, and I had to take some time off work, cried to my boss, took a couple days off and felt completely better after that. But I think it's important. There's a lot of pressure, I think, regardless of what field you're in within mental health or whatever setting you're in. Um, to be at work all the time and to have that codependency where, okay, if I take a day off, are my patients gonna be okay? Or if I take the weekend and don't answer my phone, are my patients gonna be okay? If I take a week off, all those things where in reality, my patients are going to benefit from me taking that day off yeah. in the long run. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did I just talk out of my ass? No, no. I think especially with COVID, no, I remember you're right. 
like we were supposed to in was it June mm-hmm. be at a bachelorette party yeah and so obviously that didn't happen because of COVID and I remember I think my supervisor at the time was like oh I might need you to cover and I was like no I, I took those days off and I'm still taking them off mm-hmm. I was like I don't care if I'm wherever we're supposed to go or in Mississippi like I need a couple days come visit me yeah I came and visited you that's so nice yeah. Brooke's my Brooke's the first member of my cult. Yeah, who else is in your cult? That's it so far. He's got two? <laughs> I think it's a strong group. I mean, you guys can do a lot. And you got two dogs. Yeah. We've got a lot of influence overall. <clears throat> um Yeah. I get that. You know, because I get a lot of messages. Obviously I'm not a professional. So I don't do as deep work as what you guys do, but I get a lot of messages from people, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm very open on social media and I welcome those kinds of messages. But at, at the first start, when I started getting all these DMs, I was like super worried that if I didn't get to one right away, that that message would be the last message that that person ever sent. Mm-hmm. And how would I fucking feel if like, I didn't respond at three in the morning to this person who lives in Wyoming, you know, I don't I was going to say Mississippi, but I didn't want to say yeah. that. But, <laughs> Too soon. Um, in Wyoming, and I'm like, they've never met me before, but mm-hmm. I sent out this tweet and they felt obligated that I was like a cool person that they could come to, which is super awesome. And I want to create that, but I also don't know that I can, can't get to every message at three in the morning when I'm sleeping. And so that whole idea is very, it was very challenging. And so mm-hmm. it's like on an even deeper level for you guys. So like, I just try to like... I don't know. I haven't really sorted through it really yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't have like a, the answer on how to deal with it in a healthy way. But, you know, it's a work in progress, right? I I mean, I think that most people probably don't have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, that's one of the things that they focus on. I and mean, burnout's real for anybody. Whether you, no matter what your job is, no matter what your life looks like, everybody feels burnout at some point. But Especially I think, now. Yeah, yeah, because we're like, sure. we push towards it. Mm-hmm. Like Brooke was saying earlier, like work super hard until your body just shuts down on you. And then that's when we decided to take a break when we're like physically ill because mm-hmm. our body is like saying, please yeah. stop. I was thinking about that actually last night with, so Brooke has her full licensure. Um, I applied for mine today, so I should have mine in two weeks. Um, or so, somewhere in there. Today is um, October 29th, so. Check back. When this episode drops mm-hmm. in a few weeks, she'll be ready to go. Yeah, full speed ahead. <laughs> but that kind of is the end. So we go to grad school for, or we go, we went to college for four years. Went to grad school for like two, two, two and a half years. Then we have to do this. Well, ours was minimum of 18 months, or mine was minimum of 18 months. Today's 18-month mark, so that's why I was able to apply. But that's so cool. But we have to do 3,000 hours. You have to do 3,000 for your license, too, right? Somewhere in the- Not for Mississippi, but for here. Okay. So 3,000 hours of observed therapy, both direct and indirect, under a supervisor that we have to pay. Um, well, I had to pay mine $300 a month, as, well, I still will, even though for only two weeks. So it's a pretty intricate process. Yeah, and then it's like all over. And that's weird. Like what now? I mean, I know it now, but like... Do you you think because of how long and tough that process is, that's why we don't have a lot of people in the mental health care field? 
No, I'd say burnout is why we don't have a lot of people in the mental health field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've worked with plenty who have started off like no. ready to go and saying like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then burnout like a couple years in. Like I know people who completed the program and worked a job completely out of the field mm-hmm. for a while or who worked... Um, in the field for a couple of years and then went to something completely different because it's just it's a lot it's so much I mean you're dealing with people's darkest moments and they're putting basically just laying it on you and saying please fix me yeah when really it's not on you you're Mm -hmm. just saying here's some tools and resources and I'm going to try to reframe your mind and then you got to put in the work yourself Mm -hmm. but like that's a hard concept when you're like super struggling definitely we were talking about a couple weeks ago how we miss waiting tables yeah (laughs) Like, uh, you, you waited tables? Mm-hmm. What I other jobs did you have? For nine years. Yeah, yeah, I worked at a frozen yogurt store. For I love frozen years. yogurt. Not for probably not eight years, but for a couple years in high school. And no, then she has a fear of sprinkles. God, sprinkles are the worst. You don't like sprinkles? No, I hate them. Because people can't pick up sprinkles and put them in the cup without dropping them and then who has to clean them up but the people who work there this is a passionate subject for yeah you. and then on top of that like and not that frozen yogurt stores i feel like aren't even a thing anymore but like people would bring their kids and be like oh you're gonna watch them right and it's like no but i'm gonna watch them put their gross little hands in the topping did they think it was a daycare apparently what yeah, I have parents look at me offended that I was like, you need to tell is your child not friends? to put their hands in. Huh? What was it called? Um, the first one, I worked at two different ones. The first one was Cold Snap, and the second Cold one was snap. Chill. Yeah. Oh, Those are chill. great names. Chill had this watermelon. Oh, the watermelon yogurt. Good. Legend. And you waited tables? Yeah, I waited tables. I worked at a few clothing stores. I started waiting tables. Uh, um... Like the day I turned 16, my parents got me um, a gray bug convertible with red wheels, red top, and red interior. So I immediately got a job to buy myself a new car. (laughs) So I started working at Fuzzy's Taco Shop. Oh, Fuzzy's is so good. Fuzzy's is good. Yeah. Good salad. Um, Good salad. (laughs) Their salads are good. Oh, I thought that was like a joke because they're like taco joint. No, I mean, I like your salads more than Imagine my dad's response when I come home wearing a t shirt that says, um, it's, it looks like a, what is it? It looks like a taco. If it looks like a, if it looks like a taco and smells like a fish, it must be a tasty dish. Eat me. That was the shirt that I had to wear to That's what Fuzzy's had? Yeah. That's and awesome. Like six months <laughs> in, I had to, yeah. Girl. It's very good, especially when it goes home to our father. Yeah, I had ended up having to file a sexual harassment case against my manager, so... Okay, never mind. It's not awesome. None of this is awesome. It's just irony. It's what it is. What did they think was going to happen with those shirts, though? I don't know, but this is no shade to fuzzies. Don't sue. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that disclaimer. You're welcome. Um, But I was a... uh, Recruiter for a little bit for an IT company while I was in grad school. Oh, right. Lost my freaking marbles doing that. Um, so I ended up going back to waiting tables. Mm-hmm. I used to Uber drive when I was in grad school. Um, wow. I did favor for a little bit. Jeez. Um, so many jobs. The hustle is deep. <laughs> Apparently so. Especially the dance. I could do the dance pretty well, too. What's the dance? Do the hustle. There's a dance? Get out. Can you do it? No, not on camera. Can you do it? We 
can YouTube it later. Okay. <laughs> Exclusive. Exclusive content. Sign up to my Patreon for uh, Alyssa dancing to the yeah. hustle. Is, is Patreon your version of OnlyFans? Yes, it is. <laughs> sort of. You don't know what Patreon is? I do, but... <laughs> but yes, it is. Yeah. So there's no... Okay. Yeah, never mind. Anyways. Okay, so it's not a joke. It's just the truth. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways. Anywho, yeah, I didn't have any jobs in college. I didn't have one till I got... I didn't have my first job till I got out of... till I graduated college. Wow. Now I have like... Now I have like 17. <laughs> so. 17 is not enough. And, uh, 18 yeah. it is. What else should I do? We're looking for a wag walker. I'll do it. Okay. Yeah, come take the dogs out. 12.30. Really? Yeah. Cool. I'll do it. I'll give you the temporary code. <laughs> yeah, there's a temporary code. You just walk in the door. And, and I just walk these dogs? Yeah. yeah. What a great day for me. It sounds lovely. And Birdie's, Birdie's super gross chin. Don't, don't Aww. be mean to Birdie. Aww. Birdie, ma'am, you're standing on the thingy. Thank you. Birdie. She's just, she just doesn't. She tried <clears throat> Okay, so anyways. Okay, um, So we, we talked about the pandemic really a lot. Um, and I think it's obviously shed some light on how there's like a deep mental health crisis in this country. For sure. Uh, and a lot of things that revolve around mental health need more care. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what's your what's your like current take on what's happening in mental health care? If you okay, I'll ask this question. If you had a magic wand mm -hmm. and you could just go boop, what would you what would what would your ideal mental health care system look like? Honestly it would look like access just in general. More mm -hmm. funding. Mm-hmm. Because the reality of it is, like, you, well, first of all, you don't go into mental health for money. Um, sure. But also, there are so many people, like, I have patients right now that need a 30-day, so at my inpatient, at the inpatient level that I work at, they're there for 7 to 10 days, maybe 9 to 12 days, depending. And that is, it's a hospital setting, so that's all it's designed for. There is a period of time where once we start to get closer to two weeks, it is harmful, better than more than helpful. Um, but that being said, if you have Medicare, if you have Medicaid, you can't go to any other level of care, usually. Um, or there are even some private insurances that don't cover residential treatments. And then there's some residential treatments, which are going to be like the 30-day mm -hmm. rehabs, but... We send a lot to like residentials that are trauma-based um, that even patients who don't have substance use can go to and really like do EMDR, do deep trauma work, be there for 30 days, get a lot more intensive care than what we provide once they're stabilized to go to that place. Um, and first of all, there's no RTCs really in Texas that'll take anybody that don't have substance use. So they have to be dual diagnosis. Um, so I'm sending out, right now I have a lot, usually my group is dual mental health and substance use, but right now I have a lot of mental health patients who are trying to go to residentials for trauma and insurances aren't covering it. The trauma places, uh, or the trauma RTCs don't take insurance. My dog just peed on the floor. Oh, tough break. She's never done that. She's like not being centered. She's ex yeah. It's okay. I'll clean up in a second. But I know if you if you think about how many if you look at like a church who will raise money to send somebody like to for like cancer treatment or mm -hmm. having a run 
no one's ever done that to send someone to treatment for 30 days. Like no right. one has fundraisers to send somebody through treatment or to help with their mental health. I right. mean, the other causes are obviously like worthy causes for that, but no one looks at mental health and says we really need to like help other people with that. Sure. I have seen religious groups far um, raise money for things like that. It's just not. But to your like, point, it's. I mean, you're not seeing it on GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah you're right because people don't view having a. Uh, like a substance abuse or disorder or a mental illness is the same way they view having cancer. Yeah. You know? When it looks at it, and I mainly come at it from like a substance use point of view, but like a lot of people even have a hard time understanding addiction as a disease. Right. You know, they think it's just like a choice or like a moral failing and not somebody who's legitimately sick. I mean, if you want to use the word choice, addiction is a, a disease of choice. You know, choices aren't made equal. If you have someone who is going to take a substance just to make themselves feel a little bit better for a little bit part of a day so they don't go through withdrawal, which you can die from in some cases, I mean, most people would take that to try to feel better. So, I mean, it's just, I think their perceptions, I think, are slowly getting better. Mm -hmm. I just wish that would progress a little, a little quicker, I guess. Maybe that goes just to having empathy for people, which I feel like we're in a time where it's maybe hard to have empathy for other people because we're so focused on what's going on, like in our own lives or just everything going on around us right now, which is a lot. Yeah. Well, try we, not to rant too much about it. <laughs> no, please. This is a podcast where we want to rant. Ranting is uh, is good. Yeah. Especially about important subjects. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, I mean, what would you say to someone who is like, is probably struggling in their own right, but feels like their pain is invalid because there's so much other stuff that's happening in the world that they seem like is more important? Mm -hmm. I would say, and I used to say this to my patients and families who would like compare their stories to each other, and it's that, you know, we can't all walk in each other's shoes. Like, I can't experience what you've experienced just like you can't with me, but it doesn't make your stuff any less or more valid than mine. You know, trauma it doesn't have to be some big crazy event. Trauma is just less than optimal care. And so, Can you say that again? Yeah, trauma is less than optimal care. And so, I mean, we all suffer and we all have a lot going on. And just because you think it's less important than somebody's, that doesn't make that true. I mean, it's, it's important to you and it's affecting you and that's what matters. Yes. Amazing. Beautiful. Brilliant. Thank you. You're Try. welcome. Yeah. Anything to add? Even though you're cleaning up pee? <laughs> you ran out of, uh... Did you clean it with a rug? Yeah, because we ran out of paper towels. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, we don't use the rug, so I'll just put it in right the washing machine. Um, <laughs> we ran out of paper towels. It's fine. Glamour. Um, it's life. Said it's cool. we don't get into it for the money. <laughs> yeah, we can't even afford paper towels. <laughs> Our GoFundMe will be linked at the bottom. Yeah, of it'll be in the videos. notes section of the podcast on my website. Give two bitches paper towels. <laughs> That's what it's going to be called. Give two bitches paper towels. It's the title of the episode. <laughs> in, a, in a very deep episode. That's what the GoFundMe is going to... That's what is going to encompass the whole episode. I like it. I, That's what I'm going to call this episode, I think. Jackson like, Talks, everybody. Two bitches need paper towels. <laughs> episode number 27. That's some clickbait right there. It is. <laughs> we may actually get more views. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, what we're here for. No one's gonna understand the title before they watch the episode, but when it's, they do, it's different. And they than, gotta get about forty-five minutes it's different in. Different than two girls, one cup, but not much. <laughs> <laughs> we told you before. Yeah. Usually, we're just people. <laughs> anyway, trauma. No, this is a great episode. This is really good. Um, we're light and heavy all at the same time. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Two so, bitches. Two bitches need paper towels. It's our new rap. Yeah, you can't say bitches. We, we can, can say, say bitches. bitches. Wait, what? I'm just kidding. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, thought I, was, I thought I just got canceled. It's <laughs> only a matter of time. You're. <laughs> Hashtag me too. I'm really nervous about that. Yeah. Anyways, that's that, that's a me we're, issue. We're we can not, get into that later. We're not here for legal advice. Um, trauma. Reel it back in. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's big T trauma and little T trauma is what I always talk to my patients about. Mm-hmm. And like, there are definitely things that we think of as traumatic, but there's also little things that add up to be just as traumatic. And even with that, let's say, I know where you grew up. I know where you grew up. Let's say one of you grew up in a place where there was fights happening all the time, yeah. like physical altercations. And I... You both know where I grew up. That did not happen. No. So the first time, let's say, Aaron, you were um, you were used to fights all the time, and I never saw it. And then we were walking down the street and saw two people just getting at it. Yeah. That would be super traumatic for me. Well, maybe not super, but it would be way more traumatic for me than for you. And mm-hmm. just because it's not traumatic for you doesn't mean it's any less traumatic for me. For and sure. so. If I stubbed my toe and didn't have the coping skills or the wherewithal to be able to handle that at that moment, it could be just as traumatic as if something someone assaulted me. Yeah, or someone, yeah, or someone mm-hmm. died or something, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, on top of that, I mean, it gets it gets passed down like generation to generation. I think my favorite quote, it's, um, it's Pete Townsend who was in The Who, right? I think. You're both looking at me like, I don't know. Anyway. I'm he, a little in. He... <laughs> He's got magical quotes too. Different people. Anyway, he said that he and I'm I'm gonna like butcher this quote, but it's a good quote. He's like, I've inherently, um, oh God, how did he say it? He's like, you know, the my father's trauma has been passed down to me without me even like recognizing it. It's Mm -hmm. like the paraphrased version of what he's saying. And you know, we learn from our parents. We learn from their parents, and the way that they react to trauma, they teach us, which isn't always maybe ever healthy um but i mean if you look at it like emotions and trauma like a lot of people for example grew up with the rule um you can't leave the table until your plate's clear Mm -hmm. and parts of that i'm not saying for every family but you can relate that back to the great depression where you know it was really hard to get food to eat and there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear of am i going to provide for my family and be able to feed them and so that fear gets passed down to those kids who teach their kids and all of a sudden you have a rule like you have to eat all of this food which like you know unhealthy eating habits aside like we, we grew up with that rule and so we learn how to handle things from our families, which again, we don't always learn to do in a healthy way. Right. And so that trauma gets passed without us even realizing it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not little, but right, you feel like you weren't seen or heard as a child is traumatic. Mm-hmm. But we don't think about that because we don't think that's like an event 
Mm-hmm. that specifically happened to us. Right. Like my house didn't get robbed, so it's not traumatic because it's not a one-time event in my life that caused me to feel this way. Right. It's like the course of all these years of not being this, felt this way or had this love or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what do you, like what would, what would you say to adults now who felt that as kids who are trying to, who are now navigating these feelings of like trying to forgive their parents but understanding where they came from and that they weren't treated as well and now, I mean... Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people struggle with the word forgive. I know like I for sure in certain cases do because it's super easy to build up resentment. That you know, like that really good quote about resentment is that it's pretty much taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm-hmm. Is that like forgiveness doesn't mean like it's okay. It just in a lot of cases means I need to move on with my own life to be healthy. And also boundaries because boundaries is probably the greatest word and a lot of people don't like it. But pretty important. much learning how to take care of ourselves, and that doesn't always mean we're going to have, like, the storybook relationship with our families, and that's okay. Um, it doesn't have to be like that. What matters is that, dogs, is that we're taking care of us and, and being as healthy as we can be. I like to tell my patients, and I don't know if this is good advice or bad advice, but or if this is even advice, but... Just because you you want to forgive doesn't mean you're ready to forgive. And sometimes you have to forgive yourself for not being ready to forgive. Mm -hmm. So to be able to say, okay, I can't forgive myself or I can't forgive this person for this exact situation right now. But I forgive myself for that inability. Because then Mm -hmm. it kind of gets the ball rolling, takes some of the stress off, um, some of the pressure off for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, we we can't even forgive other people until we forgive ourselves. Why would we allow somebody to do that for somebody else if we can't do it for us? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think forgiveness is more about uh, like us moving forward in our journey and set about worrying about the other person. Oh, this is... oh doggy. He's dancing. Fighting it with all ten pounds. That was the hustle. Oh, I missed it. Yeah. I was only looking at Lennon. He was doing the hustle. Oh, like, oh. That was the dance. Never oh. mind. It was a good joke. It was a really good way to kind of make everything come full circle. Oh, because go to check out the Patreon. It requires a certain level of intelligence. I guess I'm not, I'm not there. That's my bad. I didn't go to graduate school. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. <sighs> Is the red light still on? Yep. Cool. What if we had been mute this whole time? Then we would have just started over. <laughs> and we would have had to have this same conversation again except in a way different way because there's no way it would go the same way no my jokes would have fallen flat the second time so you'd, had, you'd had new ones you're pretty you're witty they fell pretty flat the first time so I think a few people will laugh thanks if you laughed at uh, her jokes just comment lol yeah One under the page will always be laughing and it's her she does always laugh. <laughs> to be fair, Brooke always laughs at my jokes too. It's part of the cult. Can I tell you about how I got her in my cult? For sure. So, as she was saying that she um, was in kinesiology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I started out social work undergrad um, and switched over to marriage fam- or not married family, um, to human development and family studies. And I took a class, told Brooke about the class, Brooke took a class, she transferred to human development. We started taking the classes together. Aww. We were living together in the same sorority, 
um, TA in classes together. Yeah, and then pretty much we're in every class together. We're in every class together. Um, we braided each other's hair every night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we did all the other things together. And so... Um, yeah, I mean, every horrible decision we made in college, the other one was right there. We have documentation for all of it. Yeah? Um, yeah. You do or I do? <laughs> Brooke does. <laughs> I don't have any embarrassing photos of Brooke. She has a bunch of embarrassing we'll photos. We'll throw those embarrassing photos on the Patreon as well. <laughs> that would... Uh, never mind. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, so more OnlyFans. I was going to say that would make it Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. So we both went. We have different licensures, uh, but it's essentially the same thing. Um, Brooke does more family systems. I do more individual um, therapy. And I've just been trying to get her to move here since, well, I think I tried to get her to move here before we even graduated grad school. I was trying to get, or mm -hmm. undergrad, I was trying to get her to come do grad school here. With me, she needed a break from me, which <laughs> I understand. Um, and then eventually I just beat her down so much, not physically, emotionally, mm -hmm. to where she was like, it'll just be easier for Alyssa to shut up if she, I come live with her. And so I found this, this apartment. It's a very nice place. And, thank you. Um, and, and what did your dad say? Oh, my dad said, Brooke's, and Brooke had never seen, so Brooke came here, moved into this apartment three weeks ago, maybe a month ago tomorrow, is it a month ago tomorrow or three weeks ago, anyway. It'll probably be a month, maybe like this weekend. That's okay. So, she had never been to Plano, she had never been to this area of town, mm -hmm. never seen this apartment but, but via videos I've sent her, and just moved blindly in after we'd already signed the lease. And that's so a lot of faith and trust in you. That's what my dad said. In my, a less nice way. He mentioned something about Brooke probably being delusional if she's willing <laughs> to move halfway across the country, uh, or not even a quarter of the way across the country for I being mean, specific. I it states over. It's not that far. That's Eight hours. Far. Um, to just live where I picked. And so we're still trying to find a name for our cult, but... I'll think about it. Mm -hmm. You guys got it figured out. I mean, you've lived together way a long time already, so it's not yeah. like this is brand new. Yeah, which was nice, knowing like pretty much what to expect. I think the only unexpected was just like the dogs yeah. and how they were gonna interact. So I'll be honest. Beforehand, the main incentive was Wally. May he rest in peace. Yes, I had a um, golden doodle that I got when we were in college. Best dog. And he was the best dog ever. His name was Walter Waffles, and he suddenly, tragically, passed away this summer um, at five years old. Oh my gosh. And he was an angel, and now he is an angel. And yes. That sounds really stupid to say, but he was perfect. He was a perfect I like that dog. saying, though. He, um... Now we have them. Now we have them, and let me tell you, having a five-year-old dog that is a perfect angel versus having a five-month-old puppy <laughs> who is very sweet. A lot of energy. Very cute, and she's really learning pretty quickly. But Lennon's a good dog, God. but the attitude on him. If this is any indication on how either of our children are going to end up, it's not great. <laughs> but cute. Oh, they're cute. Mm -hmm. apparently, apparently when 
the walkers take them out. I feel bougie saying the walkers, but apparently people ask to take pictures, which has never happened to me. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we should start charging. Mm -hmm. Buy some paper towels. Mm -hmm. Get them on IG. Oh, they they both have it. Oh, Lennon have an Instagram? Birdie no, has an Instagram. I should have capitalized on it. Birdie, B-I-R-D-I-E underscore Bernadoodle. Okay. Um, on Instagram. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if she gets more followers, I'll consider making Lennon an account. We should make him a joint account. Oh, yeah, they are basically married now. Mm-hmm. It's so lovely. I know. So strange couple. Yeah. Opposites attract. They mm-hmm. love each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, some closing thoughts here mm-hmm. before we wrap this up. <clears throat> so going to therapy obviously is still like a really taboo, stigmatized subject. Mm-hmm. Not only because there's not a, not a lot of access to it like we spoke about, but people think it's like weird and dumb and you only have to be in like this real big crisis to go and all mm-hmm. this stuff, right? It's not, clearly not true, but anyways. What would you two, as people in the field, tell someone who's thinking about going to therapy right now they're not they're they may be struggling a bit you know they're not in a downward spiral just yet but they're like they've seen some stuff about it maybe one of their friends goes and they're kind of contemplating the idea of it i don't think anything has to be wrong in order for you to go to therapy um can you say that again but like way louder I don't think anything has to be wrong in order for you to go to therapy um i've been in therapy on and off mostly on for the last probably 12 years, um, which is probably why I became a therapist. Sometimes I go into my therapist's office and I talk about trauma and I talk about things I need to work on and sometimes I go in there and I just vent about what feels like nothing and it's just as satisfying. Um, It's nice to have a sounding board for a lot of things, and I think what's really important that I'm learning um, personally and professionally is that... Brain fart. Um, I just lost my train of thought, like, completely. It was going to be really smart. I'm sure it was. Um, No, because then I will really forget it. I'm learning both personally and professionally that, oh, here we go, that your friends aren't your therapist. Your family's not your therapist. Um, I have said that to my mother on numerous numerous occasions. Like, you are not my, I'm not your friend. I'm not your therapist. I'm your daughter. And I think it's important with those boundaries to keep those roles intact because it's very different. And not to say that, like, me being able to vent to Brooke isn't, super valuable but it's different and it's also not not therapy it's therapeutic and it's not therapy but it's also not her responsibility to be able to take on my emotions um that way or anybody in my life to take on my emotions that way so it is a really good outlet Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think there's obviously a definite difference from having friends and family who support you right Uh support you in whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. but a therapist obviously is a trained professional Mm-hmm. And how you can better handle the emotions and your feelings that you're going through. Right. Right. There's a there's a big difference between the two. You obviously have to have a support group of people who love and care about you. Clearly, that's super important. But then you have to go to a therapist for that vacuum mm-hmm. to be able to share these things that you maybe don't don't want to share with anyone else or are heavy or whatever the case may be. It's all good. It's all important. True. Yeah. I mean, 
I would say, I mean, therapy is just sitting across from another human and talking, which I think a lot of us are craving right now. So it's really echoing, like, there doesn't have to be a crisis or emergency to finally say, okay, you know what, I should do it. Like, just do it for the connection piece and as stuff comes, talk about it. And just echoing off of what you said, you know, if you have friends who are therapists, which I'm lucky enough that a lot of mine are, it's. It's nice to have that connection and also have that boundary that we're not each other's therapists because I've had plenty of friends and even some family who've been like, oh, like jokingly, but not jokingly, like, oh, so you're going to be my therapist now. And it's like, I cannot tell you how little I want to be your therapist. It's like, I know you're in a workings and I don't want any part of that. <laughs> so I think seeing someone who's just going to be objective, like third party, and just let you know, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Like, what do you need? What do you want to work on? I think it can be really helpful just to have that that third party who's not right in the middle of it. Like, everyone's, like, in the middle of everyone else's stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last question. I'm ready. Are you ready? Maybe not. It's pretty easy. I don't, actually, I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> how would you define mental health? And why is it different from mental illness? Because most people don't get that. I don't like the phrase mental illness. Um, I don't use the phrase when talking to my patients. I mean, they all have their own... I don't know. Everybody has mental health. Right. Um, Everybody... I think goes through periods of time where their mental health is doing well versus not doing so well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe as I think about it, and this is just like a complete op- opinion uh, perspective, I think mental illness is maybe when you keep yourself sick versus mental health is when you're actively doing something about it. I don't know. I'm just talking out of my ass. Yeah. No, I agree, though. I don't really know that I really care for, like, mental illness. I feel like it's one of those, like, more... It's, like, one of those more taboo words where I feel like... I feel like mental health is what came out of... It's, like, how you see everyone on social media, like, talking and advocating for mental health when it's, like, okay, but do you actually do that for yourself? I feel like that's what came out of people not liking the word mental illness, which I don't like it either. I mean, there's so many different aspects to look at if you think of, like, mental health and then even that being different from emotional health. Mm -hmm. I think it just comes down to you taking care of you, and that means taking care of all aspects of you because I don't think you can have one without the other. Like, I don't think you can have it without also having, like, emotional health and physical health and just taking care of, like, all of the pieces of you to be a happy and as healthy and functioning person as you can be. So I don't, I don't know if that answers your question at all. That's just like the words that came to my mind. No, it's, yeah, it's perfect. It's great. He stumped us. <clears throat> he did. Last question. No, I don't, no, it's like, well, I mean, first, yeah, I agree. Like from what I see on like social media and like the stuff that I read, getting, hey. trying to get away from. No, Birdie, stop. They were doing stuff. So well. mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> So close. <laughs> Birdie Lennon. Go on. Go over there. Go over there. Go over there. Where are your bones? This is amazing that it's staying up. Give me a look. Oh, oh, oh. Who can see it? Who can see it? Oh. 
wish the camera would rotate it to you. So you could see them sitting? Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't That's move. Cute. It's stationary. Huh? Um, but yeah, like people are definitely away, getting away from saying mental illness, which is great because I think it's, it, they're saying more of like a mental health condition. Mm-hmm. But I think from the people that I talk to, which are just like, you know, people who are uneducated on the subject, which is like a, a problem in itself, right? But they think like, oh, mental health, that means this, I'm depressed and sad. And uh, that's not me. I'm not depressed and sad. But like everyone gets sad, you know, we all have bad days. So I think that covers mental health, like just every single person. We all have a brain and we all have emotions and that's just taking care of them, whether you're having a good day or a bad day. And then I think a mental illness or mental health condition is like the more severe cases, you know, that deserve even more specific treatment and care than just like regularly doing like journaling or meditating or self-care. Like it needs more mm-hmm. extra care. Like if you were to have cancer or, you know, you broke your arm or some sure. other thing like that. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it. But you guys said that, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. I yeah. sounded dumb, but that's okay. No way, you didn't sound dumb. And, well, I do want to clarify that when I say that people keeping themselves sick is often like a defense mechanism because it's a lot easier to stay sick than it is to do the work. For sure. Often. The work is hard as shit. Yeah. It's like it's fucking scary hard. It's too yeah. because you're so used to one thing and what happens when yeah. I do something different. That's sure, scary. there's comfort and chaos often. Yeah. And that... And I see that a lot of patients who don't even realize that they're sabotaging themselves subconsciously, generally. It's like, oh, I had a really good day today, but the next day, but it's just a good day today. And so then usually there's some kind of subconscious something that happens the next day to where their meds suddenly aren't working anymore, or they don't like their meds, or they have a side effect all the time. And it just comes down to like, not everybody's ready um, mm-hmm. for the hard work because it is. I mean, it's ignorant to think that. Well, most of the time you go usually to inpatient hospitalization first, right? Seven to 12 days. Then you do a PHP or IOP or go to a residential, and those are month long programs. Mm-hmm. And then that's just the beginning. Um, that's just to get the basics down. So it's a. It's a lifetime thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lifetime thing. Mm -hmm. For sure. Cool. You guys have any closing thoughts? Special remarks? You did great, Barbara Walters. I did great? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for doing this. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the dogs didn't knock anything over. I'm pumped. They were in it. We got a little excitement from them. Mm -hmm. The camera didn't fall over, which wouldn't be the first time that an animal has knocked a the camera over so I'm not mad about it mm-hmm. and uh but thank you guys for sharing thank you guys for coming on absolutely I think people will get a lot us. out of this and if they don't I got a lot out of it so that's mm-hmm. cool for me mm-hmm. um but thank you you're welcome thank you thanks for watching bye bye I love bye. you all subscribe comment like follow check yeah, out my follow us on Instagram check out my Patreon you won't follow me on Instagram, but you guys should follow me on Instagram. Yeah. At least Birdie. At least Birdie. Shout, shout out Birdie's follow IG Birdie handle again. Bennett. Yeah, Birdie's Instagram ha- handle is Birdie, B-I-R-D-I-E, underscore Bernadoodle, B-E-R-N-E-D-O-O-D-L-E. Yeah, that's a, that's a mouthful, but you'll follow it. if yeah. you, You'll get it if you search it on IG. There is an E in Bernadoodle. But not like the second E? 
You'll find it. Just do birdie underscore B. And And it'll pop. Yeah. Very cute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you, though. Cheers. Later. Bye.